Hello, curling fans, and welcome back to the second episode of Way Inside. And it just so happens that this episode falls at the end of the calendar year. And so it's just as you expected. Episode two, it's Way Inside, the year in review. Thankfully, we can talk about the entire year because 2022 was one of the most chaotic years in curling history. We got the Olympics, which saw King Nicholas finally get his golden crown and Eve Muirhead retiring on top. We got the drastic number of team changes that just sent the curling social media world into a conflagration of bad takes and crazy sniping and... If 2022 was crazy for the average curling fan and the average curler, it was nothing short of absolute pandemonium for this week's guest, Jocelyn Peterman. She went to the Olympics. She went to the World Mixed Doubles Championship. She married some guy from PEI. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Then she joined forces with new mom, congratulations, and new skip, Caitlin Laws, with a brand new squad, and then announced that she, Jocelyn, was pregnant herself. Oh, and in the middle of all that, she just moved a couple provinces over and now lives in Chestermere, Alberta. And here I thought that I had a crazy year because Taylor Swift and SZA released two albums within two months of each other, and James Cameron finally put out a second avatar. Her curling resume is absolutely insane. She's a Canada Winter Games finalist, a Canadian junior champion, a multiple-time Canadian mixed doubles champion, and a mixed doubles world mixed doubles silver medalist. She's a Scotties champion. She represented Canada at the Olympics. And as we will learn on the trivia segment at the end of this episode, she barely remembers any of it. We're going to talk to her about her and Brett's kind of status as curling's first couple, as it were. And we're also going to get into the crazy last five or so months that she's been in with Team Laws. So tuck in. This is going to be a good one. It's episode two of Way Inside here on the Inside Curling feed. And it's Jocelyn Peterman. Joss, first of all, thank you for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. As you know, I start every episode with a lightning round. We switch things up here in the curling world. It is the top four. So you're just going to give me a quick answer. First thing that pops into your mind. All right, you ready? It's going to be the slowest lightning round of all time, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question number one. Which curler have you never played with that you want to? Oh, it's the same questions. Darn it, I should have prepared. Brett's like, he's going to ask you all different questions. Don't bother. I'd like to play mixed doubles with Kevin Martin. If all the rocks are exactly the same, you know that both sets are perfect and exactly what you want. Which color do you choose? Red. What is something that's considered a basic thing in curling that you struggled to learn? How to measure rocks? Last one. How would your bitterest rival describe you? Oh, God. Intense. Demanding. Cutthroat. Here's the thing, Joss. Look, I don't want to pump your tires too much right off the start here, but... In talking to people, I feel like you don't even really have like a bitter rival. Like everybody just kind of says, oh, Joss is the best. I don't don't know what to tell you. So do you do you even can you well, like when I asked that question, were you actually picturing a bitter rival in your head or were you just guessing? Uh, No, I guess I wasn't picturing anyone in particular, but I'm sure there's some out there. That think you're demanding. Okay, well, it's good to that's good to learn. I mean, you know, everybody says you're a great teammate, and you know, I think a basic question is what makes a great teammate, but that's too easy. I don't want to roll with that. So I have a play on that question. What makes you a great teammate to your husband? 
Because I feel like not everybody who plays mixed doubles can do it with their partner, but you and Brett obviously have a very good thing going. So what makes you a good teammate for Brett? Um, I think the two of us are very similar in our work ethic and um, I guess our expectations of like preparation going into an event. So in that sense, I think we're good teammates because there's never any like questioning on if you've put the work in or um, if you're, you know, ready to play. I think we're, we're both very similar in, in that aspect. Congratulations, by the way. What an announcement. So exciting. Thank you. Is your child going to be the greatest curler of all time? Gosh, I don't know. Lots of other sports I wish I got into. So maybe we won't even push it into curling. Maybe it'll be... Figure skating, I think, is really cool. It's still a nice sport, but maybe we'll try something different. We'll see. I mean, that's good. I mean, I was going to say, like, if your kid gets into curling, which one of you two, you and Brett, is more likely to coach them when they're junior age? So we've been doing the dinos thing, and Brett and I both coach. We've been, like, s- splitting our, our time, both of us coaching, and we both enjoy it, but we have d- slightly different approaches. Yeah, what would you, like, what are your approaches? What are your different... I don't know. Brett is pretty chill. He, I would say he's definitely more more chill than me. And it's more so maybe he'd be good for the younger, very inexperienced curlers. <laughs> but I think I'm more fun when it comes to with those ones, too. So I don't know. <laughs> so Brett's chill, but you're fun. Fun, but intense. <laughs> but intense. Okay. You know, you and I have been friends for a while and obviously I've watched your curling career a lot. Like, I don't think I would describe you as an intense person. Like, I think people wouldn't just by seeing you on TV and stuff think, oh, Jocelyn kind of strikes me as intense. Can you give me an example? I don't know. I mean, we're coaching pretty good curlers already and trying to make them elite curlers. So sure. maybe I guess in terms of like, you know, we're working a lot on broom position in front of the rock and if you know if someone's saying hard line and and the broom's kind of making it curl that's a big no-no for me (laughs) you're giving them the business i like this like i want to see this i'll be honest like i want to come out to a practice (laughs) and i want to see jocelyn laying the hammer down on the sweeping yeah but then i also will have a fun game that involves winning chocolate right after i've yelled at you about that so (laughs) as a teacher it's always a good strategy to just sort of have chocolate. Exactly. Because it does it does sort of make it, oh, Jocelyn was kind of mean today, but then also she did give me a Twix. She gave at the me a end, chocolate. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Last question about you and Brett. Over the course of curling history, there's been obviously a lot of curling couples, curlers that are, you know, together and whatever. But I think for some reason, at least for me as an outside observer, it seems like you and Brett have kind of become this sort of first couple of curling for lack of a better word like it does seem like the curling world is very involved in in yours and Brett's story has that ever been weird or are you guys kind of comfortable with that attention what you know how's that been um yeah I don't know it's kind of funny because there are so many curling couples like even with my team last year like Don and Mike and Jen and Brent so I think maybe I guess the difference is like Brett and I's story was very similar. Like we were both skips and juniors and got picked up by um, some pretty top skips um, when we joined men's and women's. So I don't know, but it's not weird, I guess. It's kind of fun. I, I like that people are, you know, invested in our in our mixed doubles and, and like to support us. But when we were posting the picture of the uh, the baby announcement, 
Brett was like, well, remember that one time we took a selfie in front of your bathroom door in your tiny apartment, just thinking we were posting a selfie. And then it was like on sport PEI's like website and every (laughs) article they used for like three years. And it was just this like random date night selfie. So we got to be careful. It's got to be a good picture. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it does feel like whenever you guys got content together, people are sort of taking it in. And I, yeah, as someone who hasn't really ever been through that with my partner, I feel like there would be some times where, you know, it might be nice to just have a date night selfie that is just a date night selfie and is not on the sport PEI website. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it's fun. I, we like, you know, everyone's support and, and, you know, the curling community is so small and everyone is so kind in general. So it's been fun. This is sort of the the sort of de facto year in review episode of Way Inside, even though this is only the second episode. But the calendar year 2022 is about to expire and you have had a crazy calendar year 2022. I mean, you went to the Olympics, you got married, you got pregnant, you're on a new team. This is maybe the most chaotic year you could ever have, probably, as a curler. But I want to go back to the Olympics. And, you know, I've talked to a few curlers after the Olympics who have, you know, maybe not had the result that they wanted. And and Cheryl Bernard in particular sticks out to me where I interviewed her in 2018, eight years after 2010, and still the loss of the gold medal game like affects her. And, and she, you know, she talked about having a sort of grieving period after the Olympics that it was really tough for her coming home, having not won. Was there something similar for you post Olympics? Like you said, this season's been insane. So we got home and I think we had maybe I actually flew to Newfoundland to isolate with Brett, and then he was going to the Briar, I think a week later. So my grieving period was like max a week, and then we had to fly across the country. <laughs> and and then all the team changes were happening like right then too. So it was almost like I, I had no time to to process the whole thing. And then next thing we knew, we were asked to compete at the Mixed Doubles Worlds. And so then all of my, you know, disappointment on the Olympic result, I think I couldn't even process that. It was like, okay, we're going to the Worlds and I'm going to make up for it because we're going to medal at the World Championships. And that was just like all of my focus and, and all of my energy went into that. And then we lost the quarterfinals at the Mixed Doubles. And then it hit me. And like, <laughs> I didn't leave the room for a couple of days when we were in Switzerland. It was rough. <laughs> So I think I had like a 48 hour grief period in Switzerland. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to try and paper over this grief. If I win the world mixed doubles, maybe it'll be fine. Yeah. Not healthy now that I like vocalize that. (laughs) Part of why I was curious, you know, is because I think like it's interesting to think about 2010, right? So Cheryl Bernard wins the silver medal, right? And, And obviously a big accomplishment, but she felt like in 2010, if you had the maple leaf on your back, you were supposed to win gold. And if you didn't win gold, it was a total disaster. And now we obviously know that that's changing. You know, Brett and, and, and Team Guju obviously playing an amazing semifinal, winning bronze. Like we know, we all understand the world is kind of catching up to Canada or has caught up. So I think part of me was curious if the kind of grieving period, for lack of a better word, or the disappointment is maybe softened a little bit just knowing how hard it is to win anyway. Yeah, I guess. Um, But I think like, it's not like we went into the Olympics 
you know, thinking, well, this is going to be really hard. You know, we're, you're still hoping you're going to be um, on the podium. I guess at least that's how my mind works, that like it's gold or bust until we're out of the event and then it's complete heartbreak. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think growing up, I had heard Cheryl speak about her experience and um, was motivated by it and, and, you know, wanted to be in her position, but then not feel that grief and, and have that gold medal. And, and same when I played with Amy, um, kind of hearing her experience on, on their disappointment with bronze and, right. and then I guess with, with Brett and I, it's kind of funny too, right? Because we were going through that together. Like I was devastated that we were coming home without a medal and, and he could, he was disappointed that they weren't in that gold medal game. And so it's like a different level of disappointment. It's like, well, be grateful because you have a medal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that must have been, that must have been tough, right? Because he's sort of saying like, I'm sad, but you're like, also, come on, man, like, screw you. <laughs> like, yeah. Trade positions. I would trade in a second. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I definitely thought about that, too, when I was, you know, putting the questions together for this. I'm like, that would be weird to kind of go through that together. Like, yeah, how do you and Brett kind of manage that, uh, you know, when obviously you're both curling at such a high level and, you know, one of you may have a great experience and one of you may not or vice versa. Like, how do you do you kind of lean on each other for that? Or is there a sort of understanding that there also does need to be a little bit of outside help with dealing with that because things may happen differently for the two of you? Yeah, at both Olympic trials, we had kind of had conversations with our sports psychs about it, that like things could go very well for one of us and and very poorly for the other or all the different scenarios and and how would we handle that? And, you know, going into the trials this this past time, we had a, a great plan for that. In most events, Brett is my person, but then we also play in a lot of events that are at the same time. And even if it's just a slam, I could be, you know, super upset with how our game went, but he's going into the semi in a few hours. Like he's not the person I'm going to vent to. So we had uh, a good plan in place on, you know, who our support systems were that that weren't each other. As soon as the other one's not competing, we're, we're pretty good at kind of taking the competitor hat off and and being that supportive spouse. So honestly, at the Olympics, that was challenging, but um, I kind of did that. Like the next day we were out of the event, you know, we were just there to take in the rest of the Olympics. And fortunately for Brett, that meant that he got to have kind of a, a fan in the stands that was there to support him. And he was one of his only teammates that that got to have that. So I uh, was able to kind of take off the the competitor disappointment hat for for those couple of days and just be super proud of him and a crazy cheering fan in the stands for those couple of days. So, you know, it, it was nice in that sense that yeah, I could just be happy for him and supportive when I could, and then and then sad after once the event was done. <laughs> <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. Like that's impressive compartmentalization. And I think a lot of people who curl at a high level who don't have a partner in the sport wouldn't even have to consider um, that. So, you know, I do think that's an impressive part of of yours and Brett's story. Um, last one about the Olympics, you know, we're now kind of nine months away from it or almost a year removed. What looking back, what is one thing you would change about maybe how your team approached it? Or, you know, is there something that sticks out to you where you think, you know, if we had just done that maybe we would have had a better result. I guess it's hard not to say the 
the draw to the button because that's kind of what um, eliminated us from the event. And I had a, a few people say after, well, well, didn't you practice it? Like you knew that was going to be so important. <laughs> and uh, I think like reflecting on it, yeah, we practiced it. We practiced it a lot, probably more than any other team there. And maybe that was it, that we just put a bit too much pressure on that draw to the button that we weren't able to just throw a simple draw to the button the way we normally would. Just maybe a little bit higher energy in those moments that kind of resulted in in not our best draws, even though we had practiced it so much and and we knew the importance of it, um, that that maybe wasn't our best mental approach to to the draws to the button at the actual event, unfortunately. Anybody who does anything at a high level goes through that that over preparation, you yeah. know, sometimes where you go, oh, gosh, I, maybe we could have just chilled out. Speaking of chilling out, let's chill out with a couple dirty laundry questions. Uh, this is where I uh, dig up some dirt on you, Jocelyn. You're not very easy to dig up dirt on, but I will say which curler makes the best human shield when birds are flying around you? <laughs> I'm assuming Lisa, because she has been used quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to guess. You don't have to guess which curler told me that you're terrified of birds. But I did hear that you uh, that you're just petrified of birds. Yes. Lisa has been there in like, you know, very specific moments like downtown Toronto. <laughs> so many pigeons. And then like downtown in Switzerland, like. A lot of birds in Europe, you know, it's just she's been there for some unfortunate moments. Have you been terrified of birds your whole life or was there like an inciting incident where you attacked by a murder of crows or, you know, what happened? Maybe in a past life, like it's deep <laughs> in there. I don't remember a specific moment, but it's deep seated. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> you got married back in June. And uh, there was a photo posted to the Team Guju Instagram account. And I would like you to rank the outfits of Team Guju. Now, obviously, oh, obviously, your husband is number one. Uh, so now can we get a two, three, four? <laughs> so we've got Brad in a sort of like uh, a summary yes. ensemble yeah. here. We've got Mark with wearing a sport jacket, but with jeans. And then we have Jeff with no jacket at all. So could you please rank the outfits here on your uh, husband's ex-teammates? Oh, boy. Okay, if we're going Brett's number one, Mark's outfit is the most similar. And it was like a casual outdoor wedding. So the jeans are acceptable. So let's go with Mark number two. Mark number two. Interesting. Okay. Brad just looks like a floating head with jeans. <laughs> it just all looks white. <laughs> They're not jeans. Then I'll give Brad number three. And then Jeff, I mean, his is plaid, right? It is plaid. Yeah, it's like a sort of pink, like a salmon sort of tartan color there. But short sleeve, no jacket. It was cold that day, too. So just for weather inappropriateness, I will give Jeff the fourth spot. <laughs> I was Brad two, Mark three, Jeff four, just personally. Okay. As, so we agree we agree on Jeff. I thought Mark, nice jacket, but he's wearing jeans and loafers. Never a look that I like. I'll say this about Brad's outfit. It had very much um, my wife dressed me and she has good taste energy. I don't think that's all Krista, but I could be wrong. 
He's picked out suits for Brett, I think. That's why. Like, he's picked out team suits, and they're nice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Brad, if you're listening, props to you then. My apologies. Uh, I love that you uh, that you can pop a fit. And also, I said on Twitter, Brad is really popping a fit here, and um, people did not understand what that meant. <laughs> Let's get into this year. Um, you know, obviously you had the Olympics, you go through a big team change. And, you know, Jennifer Jones has said in a few interviews that she kind of felt like she knew deep down that Caitlin wanted to skip, that like that was sort of the impetus for the team change that maybe Jennifer wasn't super surprised because she felt like Caitlin was ready to skip. Is that something that you were aware of as well? Is that something that you and Caitlin had kind of talked about or that you felt like that you kind of felt like, okay, maybe Caitlin will be ready to skip or was it sort of a surprise to you maybe when Caitlin sort of indicated that at the end of the year? A little bit of both, I guess. I think when I joined the team, they had kind of talked about like, Jen was kind of, you know, taking her under her wing in that like mentorship role in that sense, in terms of strategy and and stuff like that. So, and they had played together for 12 years. So even when Jen was away having her kids and stuff, Caitlin was skipping. So I don't think it was totally unexpected. I also don't think it was something that Caitlin was, was dead set on. I, when we were talking at the end of the season, she, you know, threw that out there as an option, but it wasn't like, I'm skipping and this is how it's going. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all kind of felt that. I think there was, you know, because Caitlin played with Jen for so long. I think we all had moments. It was kind of like every quad. It was like, is this going to be the quad where Caitlin leaves to skip? You know, so I just wasn't sure if that was, you know, maybe something that she had been really, you know, thinking about or if it just kind of came about. So why do you think then that that felt like maybe the right time to her or maybe to both of you for for her to take over skipping? I don't know. I think... You know, Caitlin with Jen and then on her own with mixed doubles has had an insanely successful career. You know, it's it's kind of like finding that that spark that you need to keep going. And and I think that was just kind of the natural evolution for her career to try something a little bit different, challenge herself in a new way. I don't know that feeling, but I imagine that's how it'd be like for her when she's won absolutely everything. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it just kind of made sense. So Caitlin comes to you after the season. She says, me skipping is a potential option. Were you always involved? Like you always knew you were going to play with Caitlin or what What did those sort of discussions look like um, at the end of the year? Because obviously Dawn retires and Caitlin and you kind of break off. And so it was, you know, did you always know you were going to be sort of a part of that mix? I knew that Brett and I were going to try to live together um, since we had been together for six years. <laughs> I wanted to be closer to to my family. So it, that was kind of the at the forefront of my mind was just creating a team that that made the most sense, you know, in terms of dynamic wise and, you know, enjoying the game and, and stuff like that. But then also just residency wise, finding something that that made sense. So, um, no, it wasn't necessarily that I was playing with Caitlin right off the bat, um, but it was just the lineup that we had with Jen and Lisa and Don and Caitlin, me moving to Alberta just made that not make sense from a residency perspective and, and a practice perspective. Being in three, four different locations was, was just too much. If Caitlin had said at the end of the year, I want to keep playing with Jen, you would have been out then. 
depending, I guess, on who they pick up. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was kind of just the first thing I said is, is I'm, I'm moving home. Yeah, right, right. The first domino that fell. And then talk to me about when, you know, sort of Selena and Kristen come on board, because I think that was maybe a little bit of a surprise in that, you know, Team Flurry loses the Olympic trials to you. And, you know, they had a fantastic year and, and really a fantastic couple of years. How did that kind of come up, come about? So I'm, I'm guessing you and Caitlin decided you were going to play together first and then you approached them or what was the kind of discussion there? Selena and I have been friends for a long time. So, so we were chatting a little bit just in terms of personality wise, um, you know, that we would love to play with each other one day. Um, and if that worked out with, you know, who the other teammates were that, that we would really enjoy that. So you know, that's kind of how it started is trying to find, you know, people, friends that, that I wanted to play with that, that would work out with within the residency rules, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you and Selena are close friends because you kick her ass all the time. <laughs> no, Team Flirt. Beat her in the Canadian Junior Final, beat her in the Olympic Trials. You know, I'm, I'm surprised you managed to keep a friendship through all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then at the slams, you know, Team Flurry was always <laughs> That's true. We're going to talk about your slam record when we get to the <laughs> trivia, actually. But um, okay, last question about your current team, and then we'll move on to the trivia and we'll wrap this up. Has this year been a little bit challenging so far? Because I think, you know, you get excited about a big team change and then Caitlin's pregnant and Selena's pregnant and now you're pregnant and Caitlin's missed time. And I'm sure Selena's about to miss time. Like you're probably going to go through most of this season not playing with your full team lineup, you know, so how has that sort of adjustment been? Like, I, I'm sure it's got to be a little bit strange that you you're excited you got this new team and then you're not really playing together yet yeah it's kind of a unique scenario but um you know there was a lot of excitement and we were really eager to to get this season started and and we knew at that point that that Caitlin was pregnant so um I think we were really strategic in how we planned our season you know we started the year off with an event in Europe so that was you know very intentional to try to, you know, get some team bonding in right off the bat with the core four, tried to get in as many events as we could before we knew that Caitlin was going to have to take a little bit of time off. And then after that, like the transition's been fairly easy. We've had some incredible spares, obviously, with with Laura and Joanne. So, and, and Selena kind of taking over skipping. It, it's been fun. It's like, it's obviously a little bit different each week with who we've got and what our lineup is, but kind of fun just everyone figuring out their roles and their roles in the different lineups and what that looks like and we've been pretty you know proud of of our accomplishments so far as a new team and and figuring out those different lineups so it's been a lot of fun but yeah we will be looking forward to having all four of us back on the ice again hopefully soon maybe <laughs> Speaking of the new team, what is one thing that has surprised you about Caitlin skipping so far? I guess maybe just like how much we were all on the same page in terms of strategy right off the bat. Usually that's not as simple coming from from two different teams, especially Caitlin coming from Jen's team where it's it's quite offensive. And then the other two coming from uh, Team Fleur, that was typically quite defensive. But um, kind of right off the bat, we were pretty all on the same page in terms of our calls and just general strategy. So 
that's been kind of nice. That's been smooth transition. Nice. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. And, and like you said, it looks like that so far too. I think people watching and you can see the results as well. You know, it seems like it's coming together quite well. All right, let's get to the final segment of the show. And you told me before we started recording that you're very nervous for this section of the show because you said your memory is maybe not the best. But Jocelyn Peterman, it is time for Extremely, extremely difficult, difficult Own Career Trivia. Oh, boy. You got five questions. Uh, question number one. You lost the 2011 Canada Winter Games final to Corinne Brown, my friend from BC. What was the score? Oh, I should know this. It was very low scoring because my brother Chant started a boring chant in the stands. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with 5-3. Oh, Jocelyn, I have news for you. Your brother was right. It was even more boring than 5-3. It was 3-1, and that's with no score in the eighth. Yeah, 3-1, no score in the eighth. Uh, why Why so low scoring, Jocelyn? What happened out there? Uh, I don't know. Like, you're, you're in your first, like, Canadian final. Probably want to keep the first few ends simple. And then I don't know. Did you ever give your brother hell for uh, starting a boring chant in the crowd during the uh, the biggest game of your life to that point? I'm sure it was warranted. <laughs> Three one. I mean, that is pretty boring. You had a great 2012. You won the Canadian Junior Championship. Let's see how much you remember about Team Manitoba because the boys' entry in both the 2011 Canada Winter Games and the 2012 Canadian Junior Championship was skipped by the same person. Who was it? Kyle Doring. Kyle Deering. That's right. Very good. Yes. Okay. So you got one on the board. In my mind, this is a bit of a softy here, okay. uh, but we'll see. You won the 2018 Canadian Open, which is your only slam win to date. Where was it? It was in Camrose. It was in Camrose. That's right. And Jocelyn, follow-up question, not a trivia question. How have you only won one slam? That seems <laughs> insane to me. Don't bring it up, John. I'm not trying to be mean. I just like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was doing research for this and I was like, how has Jocelyn only won one slam? I mean, I think most people would think of you uh, as one of the best seconds in the world. I mean, you've only won one slam and you're on one of the best teams in the world. What, like, what the heck? I know. We got to change that. Hopefully it's like Camro's magic for me and we'll get back there, light the magic again, and then you know, hopefully continue that for the rest of the year. I agree. Um, okay, you're two for three. Now, I'll be honest. This last question, it's two questions in one. I think this one's very difficult. So I don't blame you if you don't get it. But in 2019, you had a very solid victory at the Skins game. How much money did you win in the final? You played Team Flurry. How much money did you bank in the final? And then how much money did you win total? What was the number on the check at the end? Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope they post the video of this, just the sheer terror in your eyes trying to think of the potential total here. I have no idea. Was the total 50-ish? You're very close with 50-ish. 52. Oh, Jocelyn. I wanted it for you so bad. It was 51. <laughs> it was 51,000. Ah, that's total. so close. It is so close. <laughs> we'll give you a half point. Two and a half. Two and a half out of five. You did good. Look, Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining me on the very second edition of Way Inside. Before we go, give a little shine to your sponsors here of Team Laws. 
Our title sponsor is Four Seasons, Parrish and Heimbacher, McMunn and Yates, Osisco Mining and Technica Mining, Syngenta, Prairie West Ice Cream, Nobis, Balance Plus, and Cranked Energy Bars. Um, so they all support us and, and help us be able to be on the road as much as we are. So we couldn't do it without them. Uh, if Prairie West Ice Cream is listening, my address is <laughs> apartment 701. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, you you did really appreciate our, our ice cream announcement and our Parish and Heimbacker announcement. To be honest, I was sort of expecting you to thank me greatly for boosting your uh, your your sponsor announcement there. That, like, I mean, CBC Olympics posted it. I think Sports Illustrated posted it. So yeah, congratulations to Parrish and Heimbecker for being the official grain silo for Team Logs. I'm sure, yeah, they're thankful for your uh, excitement about the partnership too. Hey, look, I'm I'm thankful for them too, and I'm thankful for you. Thank you so much for joining me on the episode, Jocelyn. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Another phenomenal chat here on Way Inside. Learned a lot. Jocelyn was being modest on the show, but I'll say I think the Peterman Gallant child does have a real future in this game. And speaking about the future, it's time for the question of the week. And of course, we are just as we're releasing this episode, just a couple days away from the dawn of 2023. And so I've gotten four curlers to answer the question, what is your 2023 New Year's resolution? And we're going to start with the Canadian Junior Women's Team who just won the World Junior B Championships in Finland, went all the way over there, defended Canada's honor, and now they'll be representing Canada in Fusen, Germany in March at the World Juniors They'll be amazing representatives, and it's great to have a Canadian team there. And we're going to hear first from the skip, Emily DeShane, and her New Year's resolution. And then we're going to hear from Taylor Stevens, who was originally the skip of the Canadian junior team. And then age restrictions prevented her from being able to play at the World Juniors, but was there as team support, has been with the team the whole time. And so first off, here's Emily DeShane with her New Year's resolution. I am Emily DeShane, the of Team Canada who just won the World Junior B Championship. And my New Year's resolution would be to prioritize relaxation and rest throughout the next season. Hi, John. My name is Taylor Stevens, and my New Year's resolutions are to improve my sweeping technique since I have so far been a lifelong skipper. And also to not get COVID four times, which will hopefully help my sweeping as well. Great lessons in both of those. I would love to have some more rest and relaxation. People don't understand how difficult a job being a podcaster is. You have to sit in a comfy chair in your warm house, have great conversations with people. It's a very tough job. And Taylor, I do agree, getting COVID four times in a calendar year does not seem ideal. We're going to check in with one more team, Chelsea Carey and her lead, Rachel Erickson. Maybe Chelsea's is a little more exciting, but they both have some exciting things on the docket for 2023. I'm Rachel Erickson, and my New Year's resolution is to golf more with my family. 
We have some beautiful courses here in Southeast Sask, and I've been spending my weekends off practicing on the simulator. Hopefully my family's ready for some friendly competition in the summer. This is Chelsea Carey. My New Year's resolution is to bring the Cullen and Carey broadcast team to more curling live broadcasts near you in 2023. Chelsea, I agree. I would love to do more events with you in 2023. We proved to be a great pair in 2022 behind the mic for curling live. And I look forward to covering many more events with you in the future. I think 2023 is going to be a big year for curling live and for the Cullen and Carey broadcast pairing. And Rachel, best of luck on the links. And best of luck to all of you listening in 2023. I hope your New Year's Day is wonderful and restful, and I hope 2023 is the best year it could possibly be for you. Thank you once again for tuning into Way Inside. Again, we will be here on the Inside Curling feed every two weeks. If you want more curling content from me, you can follow me on Twitter at CullenOnCurling. And until 14 days from now, remember, if you're going to be inside, be Way Inside.